Is his name Walton Goggins? His name is Walton Goggins. I thought it was Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. Walton. Got again, got again. learn something every day. Hi everybody, uh, my name is Chris, mechanical organism designed only for dabbing, uh, Johnson. <laughs> and I am simply a speck on the infinite void of the quantum realm. Is the quantum realm technically a Whoville? I don't know. Like, huh? Horton is a Who, the Grinch, those, those towns exist on like a speck of dust, right? If a Whoville... Are they a quantum realm? If a Whoville is in the Whoville, but there's no Horton to hear it, does a Whoville really Whoville? These are the sorts of say? questions we're going to ask and answer, maybe, say? on Big Damn Pop Culture Podcast. Hello. Um, we've... we've do you know what? Let's before we before we do anything else, let's just sort of catch up culturally on what we've been up to because uh, we've been busy, busy boys. I've been desperately looking for work, and that's about it. And you've been incredibly working, des- desperately, uh, desperately being a dad. You've been desperate dad. My favorite character from the desperate dad. dad I love the, cow pies from the dad and uh, um, that used to horrify me as a kid when I realised <laughs> the idea of a I, pie with the horn still in. When I realised, I'm going to move these back slightly because we're going to piss ourselves. Yeah, uh, when, 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 for those listening along at home, I just shifted our testicles slightly to the side. Yeah, um, you don't want to get them wet. No, chaps the skin. Uh, <laughs> what do you think this is? Kick. Uh, there's not going to be anything genital related on this video stream for those listening along at home. There's no camera. It's all there's, in your head. There's definitely no camera. Um. The hell was I going with this? That was it. The dandy. As a the kid, dandy. when I realised, why do all of his pies have horns? It's like because <laughs> they're cow pies. They're cow pies. So is that a cow in there? Yeah. And the first thing that came to mind was it was just a cow's head in the middle. Yeah. Which it wasn't. But then, of course, it's the weirdly barbaric thing of him decorating the pie with the horns of the slain cow. Yeah. Um, but Dan's metal as fuck, mate. See, I, I would have become vegetarian, <laughs> but then like. Um, Sprouts exist. I love sprouts. I didn't until about the age of twenty-seven. Oh right, didn't so enjoy you grew up. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Well, well, there's that thing in there of like your taste buds rough. Roughly every seven years, every cell in your body is changed in some way, and your taste buds kind of go along with it. It's why sometimes there's foods that you really like when you're younger, and then you get older and you don't like them, and vice versa. Sprouts was one for me. I didn't really enjoy them until I was about twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Well, my taste buds better fucking do their job because I still don't fucking like marmite. Do you think you'll ever get to the point where you do? If I do, put a blame. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to eat that. A Marmite-flavoured one. It's just a cruel extra twist of irony. So you're just like, this is how I want it to be. I'm so I'm so sorry, my darling, as you kiss your wife and child atop of their foreheads and stride off into the ten paces into the distance as the person who's been given the bullet readies himself to fire at you as of your command. And as it passes through your chest, you catch this weird whiff and you're like... <laughs> It's like yeast. Yeast! Damn you! And Marmite is the thing that takes you out. 
Marmite. Mm. Death by Marmite. Yeah. Easy to easy to imagine. It tastes like death. Marmite's fucking horrible. What what is it I've eaten recently that absolutely tasted vi- McDonald's. I got a few nights ago. We Marmite bought- McDonald's? No, no, no. We've not Marmite. Don't lie where this is we going. Came- McMarmite. McMarmite. We- <laughs> Ah! We came back from the we came back from a last minute no, no, visit no, to the no, theatre. No. The some other night. Some <laughs> <laughs> Opinion split. Um, hey, we, came from, we came back from the theatre on Friday. It doesn't matter what night it was. You guys are listening to this in the future. Friday, did did I did I did I die? Yeah, we last second. A friend of um, Lou's, their kid couldn't go to Rocky Horror anymore last minute. So they were like, does Lucy want the tickets? And Lou phoned me and was like, are we going to see Rocky Horror? Today? I was like, why are you even asking yes, this question? Yes, we're going to see Rocky Horror. Yes, we are. Phone down. And then picked it up to be like, sorry, I put the phone down. You know, that was rude. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Where are we going to go see Rocky Horror? <laughs> we got uh, back late and we hadn't really eaten because it was very much like, a, okay, I guess that's this evening's plan. That's... She came home, got changed. We went straight back into Manchester, went to sell the show. It was incredible. Um... We gave ourselves over to absolute pleasure. Uh, hmm. It made us shiver <laughs> with anticipation. So uh, we got home quite late that night and we had... Patient. Uh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> People tuning into this for like our Marvel hot takes. Hey, going, yes, what are they no. talking about? Ah. Theatre, you uncultured swines. Um, <clears throat> and uh, theatre, it involves corsets and sex. <laughs> Cunnilingus and blowjobs. It's magical. Theatre should... <laughs> I meant on stage. Yeah. Ah. And um, <laughs> I ordered I ordered a nugget share box because we got back and ordered McDonald's. Nuggets? Oh, yeah. In a box. McNuggets. That you can share? Yeah. Ooh. Bonus points. Oh. P- plus here. Boneless? Whoever did it, no. Bo- uh, hey. Whoever did it just shoved them in the box. I had 23 of the buggers. <gasps> oh. What? After sharing? <laughs> <laughs> Downside, McDonald's have their own barbecue sauce, which they've had for a while, but now it's in these round tubs. It's, it was called Smoky Barbecue. I was like, oh, this is different. I opened it up. I can only assume that the taste tester likes their barbecue the same way they like the underside of a tyre, because it just tasted rubbery and burnt, and it just, oh, it was clinical. It was horrid. And to the point where I was just halfway through this tub went, nope. Sorry, can't do it anymore. I just have to go in the fridge and pull out a lot of stuff. That sounds like the way I like my barbecue sauce. You're a heathen. I've got Jack Daniels barbecue sauce in the fridge right now. Been, That's pretty good. I've been very slightly using it with things. Like I did a, I did a, <laughs> I did a fried egg and like cheap freezer chicken burger um, sort of sandwich the other day. And then I had it between two bits of Jack Daniels barbecue <laughs> sauce. Uh, no, I just like spread the Jack Daniels on the on the burger for its last couple of minutes in the yeah, oven. Yeah. And it was like, oh god, this is so nice. And there's no alcohol in it. Everybody? Just no, I mean, there wouldn't be any way if you cooked it off, because cooking cooks off the alcohol first. I cook it right off. What have you? Good, sir. I mean, I know one thing you've watched recently, because we both went to see it, and we'll talk about it in a little while. But yes! Like, what, what have you been watching? What have you been imbibing in your, in your, in your free times, in, um, your, in your commutes, in your, um, God, I can't get to sleep right now. Go on, I'll give this a go. What have you been... Not to not to rip off another podcast featuring two white men in their thirties talking about like things they do, but yeah. what have you been reading? And what are you gonna read? What are you gonna read? Um, <laughs> you know what I finally watched that I've been seeing ad- uh, trailers for for ages, and then I'm like, I was I was at home with Alice one day, and she was sort of you know just sleepy and cuddling. I thought, oh, I'll put something on for a couple of hours. Can you get me out for a bit? The menu. 
Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt and actual Voldemort and food. Yeah. Is it as gloriously camp as you want it to be? Oh, yeah. Okay. Good, 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 good. good. What do you... For those of those who don't know, over here in the UK, it is out on Disney Plus on the Stars option. Yes, that's um, how I watched it. If you're one of our American viewers or listeners, you'd be like, wait, what? Yeah, I Disney mean, Plus over here has had like R-rated content for ages. It's just you can set your kid's profile to not access the stuff that isn't PG-13 or below. What do you so. think the menu is? Uh, some kind of takedown of... Uh, Have you seen the influ- menu? No, influencer oh, okay, okay. and bougie culture that... Sort of rips a hole into it a little bit. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character is probably not one of that crowd, and that's why she's the odd one out. And it's kind kind of a slasher film, but not really. Like, it's a you're all going to die, and this is how it's going to happen movie. More a, more a ready or not, or something like that, than a, you know, than a Halloween. Mm. Am I anywhere near the mark? Closer than I was when I first saw the trailer. Okay, what did you think it was going to be? Oh, this is going to be some weird cannibalism thing. Okay. It's not. Any cannibalism? Some cannibalism. Can a movie? Should a movie. And... I'm not... Intimated. Hinted I'm, I'm not, cannibalism. I'm not saying it because I don't know. <laughs> You're saying it to I'm preserve the integrity of your Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it... I don't want to say anything either way, because I don't want to tell anybody any more about what the movie actually is, which includes confirming or denying whether or not stuff happens. Um, <laughs> but stuff does, in fact, happen. Uh, what kind of stuff it is, I'm not going to tell you. Kind of stuff. Um, Shoulda stuff. Kind of stuff, shoulda stuff. Woulda stuff. Um, <laughs> I will simply say it is definitely worth a couple of hours of your time. It yeah. is... Fucking hilarious in parts. It could totally intentionally, like this dark, dark, jet black comedy. It's comedy so dark no light can escape it. Um it's you know, it's That's a good definition. To be with fair. some great performances at the centre of it. And um <clears throat> Yeah, just lots of Oh yeah. Yeah. Screw that person. Um I've also oh ah. Ah, just a little bit. Have you been watching The Last of Us? Not yet. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to binge. I've, I'm recently. <laughs> I'm currently revisiting, and I'm near the end. What we do in the shadows is just like a thing to do while sending out applications. Yeah, that I do need to catch up on actually. And that's been really fun, just as a like while I'm looking at this screen and sending out an, a CV or or a, a, a showreel thing for the millionth time this morning. Mm having a thing on the screen next to me that is comforting me and making me laugh. And every now and again, I'm stopping what I'm doing to just watch it for 10 minutes and then <laughs> carry on. has been really nice. And I, I've, I've sort of put myself in that mindset of, ah, I'm going to wait till it's all ready to watch. Yeah. And then just sit down over a few nights and just binge it. Um, partially, I think, because like I know it's not exactly the same. It's not. But having played the game, I'm not as much as in that mood to go, oh, I have to go on this journey more so than, all right. Let's see what this one did. And I can do that in one or two sit-ins rather than week by week. Well, I'm six Also, I don't work in, in an office, so I don't have the water well, cooler. Yeah. I don't have the water cooler thing of like, did you watch last one yesterday? <laughs> well, yes, I uh, I like the bit where uh, it annoyed all the homophobes. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <clears throat> um Yeah, it is it is What's generally that? gay people exist. This is disgusting. Gay people exist. Oh god. <laughs> it is non binary people exist. Uh, yes, yes. Did you see the HBO Max? It's HBO Max, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. The HBO Max uh, Twitter account. Oh, no, you're not on Twitter anymore. Good boy. Uh, but no. uh, they, they put out an image of Ellie and her, uh, how they worded it, that best friend look. It's like, um, oh, you're really scared of peeing off the horrid people, aren't Although, you? Although, they could just be um, avoiding spoilers. Maybe, but like, it does feel like they, they don't want to lose the viewers. Yeah, which Even though the viewers sucks. that are pissed off by stuff that, you know, exists and is normal. Like, <laughs> like for Christ's sake. Um, who've played the games, so they know that some of these things... Like, when they do Series 2, are they going to be pissed off at Abby all over again? Like, just from the beginning, are they just going to be raging again? It's like... You played the game, you know who the character is, whatever your personal and quite frankly fucking archaic prejudices are, why are you dragging it up like it's a new thing hey, and an issue? If they didn't like the gays in season one, just wait until they meet Lev! <laughs> That's really gonna fuck them up! How is it though? How is yeah, it? How, is, it is it? Is it's it one ace. of those rare like, oh, we've adapted a game into something yeah. and... It's actually really good. Made it brilliant for the medium it's in. It's really, really very good. Okay. And again, another thing that is anchored by a pair of just rock solid performances. Well, Bella Ramsey is. Um, She's so good. Is not unknown to me. Yeah, because uh, uh, they were um, the worst witch in the CBBC revival about five, six years ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, absolutely wonderful. And the fact that it's like, yep, you're not going to go on to this. And again, like it's not about that, but the fact that like they're pissing everybody off with the fact that it's like so you identify as non-binary, yeah, but I don't go by any specific pronoun. You can yeah, call me whatever because yeah. I'm still kind of on my journey and I'm sort of figuring myself out. Yeah, and people are going rah, 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 instead of just watching the show and going, God, they're really good. They, they're so good. <laughs> like it's it's so so good. Oh god, um, it's, it makes it very easy to see who to block on social. Yeah, media. and it's it's just a <clears throat> it expands it in interesting ways. It changes things. Not just for the sake of changing them, but mm-hmm. for it does what you you can do on a TV show that you can't do with a video game, even one as narrative and, and quote unquote cinematic as as The Last of Us, and you just explore your time with the characters more. I mean, yeah, what you don't have to do is you don't have to fill X number of hours with action sequences. Yeah, there's not actually that much action in the season. I'm six episodes in. Um, I've got three left. Um. So, is that right? Yeah, ten, ten this season. Nine. Right? Nine. Okay. Nine. They combined the first two episodes. Okay. So the, fir- the first episode's like movie length. Oh, so if you watched it, if you box it, for example, it might be ten episodes, but the way they put it out... It no, it's ten hours. It'll still be nine episodes. Okay. It's, they're, they're not, they, didn't, they didn't just show them back to back. They, Fe- they feature length season premiere. Yeah, they yeah. Edited, them, edited them together. Okay. Um, uh, and but, as a parent, uh, you can speak on how daddy... Um, Pedro Pascal is so things. daddy, so much daddy, so daddy. GoDaddy.com. And actually, as of tomorrow, as of Wednesday, after we've recorded this, yeah, <laughs> I'll be able to double daddy. Oh, with uh, Mando, Pedro Pascal. <clears throat> There'll be two concurrent TV series going out where he plays a I will risk everything to keep you safe single daddy. <laughs> With an adopted child. <laughs> Have you seen how much he's been leaning into that? Like his sort of his internet daddydom. He loves it. He's been leaning into it. At first he was kind of bashful, and now he's like doing it in good spirits. Like yeah. he, he's 
you can tell he's a bit like, all right, everyone, calm down. But if he thinks it's a funny joke, he'll do it. And then he gave us that stellar Super Mario trailer <laughs> for SNL. It depicted, yeah, super, it depicted Mario as more of a Mad Max Last that of Us it. hybrid. And Mad Mario. Like, that I want. I want that. Let's go. It's like, yes, Pedro. Yes, let's go. Oh, does it better than Chris Pratt? Oh, we saw the trailer on, on um, Wednesday night for that. And, and even now in like the cinematic trailer for Mario that is out in front of films. Yeah. He's barely speaking in it, almost yeah. as though they're like, how much, how much Mario can we edit out of the Super Mario movie? God. Um, so you speak of the menu. Yes. Um, I finally got around to Glass Onion. Glass Onion is... Incredible. It's Fantastic! It's so good. Fantastic! And it's 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 fascinating coming to it two months after its release. Twenty second December, wasn't it? Twenty second, twenty third December was the Netflix release. Yes, yeah, it's right. just after yeah. Christmas. Yeah, it had, it had a it had a brief release uh, in cinemas the last weekend of November, and then it came out on Netflix. Yeah, um, I think I watched it on like New Year's Day or something. It was amazing, but having that slight two month detachment from it meant that I got to kind of sit in the pop cultural fart cloud of it <laughs> where it was a lot of people going you know movie critics and whatnot going this was great or oh, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one but like this was fantastic or yeah. like you know oh I didn't love it as much but Daniel Craig's amazing or holy crap this one turned it on its head and but you also had a lot of people going I just, I just don't understand it like it's really dumb it's stupid and the pattern between a lot of them like there were people out there who watched it and went oh, I just didn't enjoy it I, just, I personally just didn't enjoy it as much as the other one and it's like that's fine but the people out there going, this, dumb, this movie's really dumb. There is a Venn diagram of people who didn't like it and people who think it's dumb. Or in the middle, it's a bunch of influencers and like cryptocurrency traders hmm. and far right commentators. Hmm. And it's like, I wonder. Once upon a time in this podcast earlier incarnation, we got lambasted on a few occasions by listeners who were like, we hate it when you get political. But I think we've made our political kind of ideology and and you know human existence quite clear in terms of how we think people should be treated and respected and which people should be given a bit of a go over there and have a fucking think about what you're saying in case and this movie is a movie about those people are fucking dumb aren't they go over there and have a fucking think about what you're fucking doing in case you in case you were unclear about my political affiliations uh, i'm gonna quote the great sam wilson on your left I'm going to quote the great Tom Baker. I'd love to kick a Tory in the box. Um, <laughs> Wherever you're standing, on your left. <laughs> that's where I am. And, and that's, that is the thing with this. Like this Entertainment shouldn't be about annoying a political leaning or what have you. Like, that shouldn't be what it's about. I mean, but if it, has some, it? if it has something to say and that thing it says does that, that says a lot more about who it annoys than who made it, what the story was. No spoilers, because again, it's a you know it's a murder mystery. I think people should go into it knowing as little as possible. But I'll say this: if you haven't watched Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, a title that Ryan Johnson hates, and I completely agree with it. It should be Knives Out, a Benoit Blanc mystery, <clears throat> and then Glass Onion, a Benoit Blanc mystery. Yeah, I think you retroactive. Here's how you do it: whatever the third one is, you call it. You know, like, you know, um, chocolate starfish. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a Glatsonian mystery. No, 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 no. You call it a Knives Out mystery, and then you retroactively re-release Knives Out as Knives Out, a Knives Out mystery. So it just it just triply doesn't make any sense. I think it should be Knives Out, a chocolate starfish mystery, personally. Um... Oh God! But yeah, uh, I I think that it is every bit as as unique and which is a, you know it's a very oxymoronic thing to say. It's every bit as unique as the other one, but like it's it's, it's every <laughs> bit as as a unique um, entry into the murder mystery genre as the first one was. In that the first one was a oh it's a typical who done it, except you the audience are going to find out exactly who done it and why and how. In Act Two, and you're going to spend the rest of the movie going, wait, but if they find this, but that, right? So who did? Huh? So it's like a mystery that no, the normal mystery, an enigma. yeah, the normal mystery with all the normal trappings, big Gothic manor house, like feuding family, the clear, everyone's going to sit down and be interviewed and pointed out at the end, kind of setup, and then in the middle goes, actually, here's what happened, but only you, the audience, know, and now you know why that character's doing what they're doing. Uh, they're in the shit, really, aren't they? I hope they figure things out because they seem really lovely. And it's like, yeah. Um, the second one is is did, it's did not you... the same, but it's got that thing of you think you know what this is, and the characters in it think they know what this is. Yeah, you don't know what this is, and when it is narratively satisfying, they'll tell you what this is, and then the third act begins. Did you? Did you think you knew what it was up until the point the movie told you that it's not what you thought it was? Because I did. I, <laughs> I I couldn't figure out what the hook was. Yeah. Um, until the beginning of... So there's a moment, sort of, at end of Act 1, start of Act 2. Again, keeping this vague for those who haven't seen it and want to see it. There's a moment, sort of, end of Act 1, start of Act 2, where... What you think this is is a balloon, and a character basically takes a, a thumbtack to it immediately. Yeah, and it's still really satisfying, but it's the end of a murder mystery told in thirty seconds. Yes, and it's like, oh, that's and I was like, brilliant. Where is this gonna go now? The the following that's not the bit that I mean. The following ten minutes was where my brain went. Oh, and then they started to lay out what they were up to, and I was like. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. There was a tiny thing very early on that irked me involving an object, a location, and a hammer. The early on, <laughs> it, it, as, as, a, okay, as okay, a visual yeah. dragon storytelling okay, moment, okay, is okay. sublime. But I was always like, but didn't they? I yeah. mean, they're not quite like yeah. when we... Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and then later on that slotted into place, and I was like, "Okay, that's oh god." Ryan Johnson is very good. Yeah, end of sentence. No, Ryan Johnson is very good at telling you exactly what's happening, just without the context, long before you realise that that's exactly what was happening. Yes, he's great at just having it all out in front at the beginning in a way that only on the second watch you go, "Oh god, they were telling us from minute one." They've been telling us from the first minute of the goddamn thing. It, it's it's the Edgar Wright character yeah, listing the whole that. plot it, thing. Yeah, it's the Shaun of the Dead <laughs> World's End thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, it's it's brilliantly done. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's it's superbly done. Yeah. Um, uh, Craig shines. I mean, the whole cast shine. Everyone's incredible in this. Um, but but Craig is just this. 
I could watch a Benoit Blanc film every year I for the rest of my Craig life. I could just watch Daniel Craig being Benoit Blanc. Just, I don't care what he's in. Just, I, I love it. I love that he's he's found his character actor niche now. He's gotten rid of the Bond stuff. He can be the character actor he always was. He doesn't have to do the leading man thing anymore. He can do weird shit like the Knives Out films and and, uh, and Logan Lucky and just do weird oh, Logan voices. Logan Lucky, and, and yes. Be, and be odd and do odd things and not have to be... <laughs> like, does he still bring gravitas? Sure. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's layered in, like, camp and sass and softness and... and absolute charm like oh. Benoit is such a charming character oh. and the difference of course from the first one and this one is Benoit is the main character this time around yes for the audience like the way the first film was billed was oh he's the detective so you all immediately go oh right he's gonna be the main character no he's not he's just there and then in this one it's like oh no he's our en- he's our he's our entry point um speaking of uh, <laughs> entry points Benoit Blanc and character actors who are only now getting to be character actors um, after years of being the handsome leading man in roles that are just like they're good at, but like you can tell having more fun now. Yeah, that slight Hugh Grant cameo. Oh, it's very good. It's very good because it it just it picks up on a line from the last film, and it's just there you go. Yeah, it's like oh my god, I hope they could be in scenes together in the next one. Yeah, that's a really sweet idea. Yeah. Um, and also once again, it's a film that goes like, hey, you know the uh the underserved and marginalized like working class member of this entire story mm. wouldn't it be really cathartic if they fucked over the rich evil pricks <laughs> it's yeah, magical it's, worth it's magical oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's magical and the ending is oh god I've seen some weird theories about the ending what what I'm sorry I've, theories yeah I've seen theories that like it didn't sit well with some people because a certain object that was very important in the final minutes of the film well it just felt disrespectful or well, I've seen theories that it's not actually the real version and all this stuff. And it's like, you you are reading way too much into this. The film spells it out. You are missing in the film. Yeah. The point. The film spells out exactly what this film is about. This film is about Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> this film Isn't it is just... about incredibly stupid people making very smart decisions and partnerships and patents and becoming figureheads and respected geniuses when really they're just dumb as a bag of hammers. And that's what this film is about. And it's not it's not aimed at Edward Norton. His character is the one with the most kind of parallel. has gone on record as saying, didn't even think of him once when I was putting the character together. I don't Acti- even know yeah. him. Actively didn't think of him whilst putting the character together, but that doesn't stop him from, you know, just co- consciously. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, difficult, it's, it's fucking difficult to escape from that fucker in The film got it. delayed, so it came out around the time that the world was looking at this dude and going, God, he's a bit of a fucking moron, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> and then this film comes out and it's like, oh, Jesus, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, he's oh, a moron. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that they had to film during uh, heavier COVID restrictions... So instead of going, oh, well, we'll do what we can, but people are down the line are going to see dramas produced in 2022, 2023 and see the difference and kind of realise, oh, that was shot during the pandemic. And they went, no, screw that. It's set during the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, this, yeah. Because then that way we can bubble everybody who's in it. We can shoot in a way where it's like we know that everybody's been kept together. We minimise the crew that's on set and 
there. It's in the plot. And, and I was we, like, oh we, my God, that's so smart. And we got Ethan Hawke to appear for a scene. Yeah. And just spray everybody in the mouth. We get four brilliantly, wonderfully odd cameos on a yeah. Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, two posthumous cameos. Yeah, yes, sadly. One just real fun one. Yeah. And one, hang on, is this technically a tease for your next project, Ryan Johnson? Which turned out, yes, yes. Yes, it freaking yes, was. It was. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it to anybody who likes murder mysteries, because this will do what the first one did, which is make you rethink I highly how murder mysteries can work. If you like good, if you just like fun films uh, with slightly, slightly darkly comedic kind of vibes, great. If you like watching actors flex their muscles and and play characters that like allow them to literally. show off, sometimes once again, Dave Batista <laughs> proving that please let this man stick around and play whatever roles he wants. Because <laughs> this one, this one, like his physical stature leans into the character's like attitude and lifestyle, but. Oh my god! Just the entire—he's—he's he's the manosphere as a character. Yeah, it's great, and it's brilliantly done. Um, so good, so 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 good. Uh, and Leslie Odom Jr. really rocks that little beard as well. Mm. I was just the whole time. Mm. I was just like, I mean, he's already, I already know he's handsome. Mm-hmm. But, oof, mm. Come on. Um, mm. what else? What else can we slip into the old? Um, what? Uh... What have you been playing lately? I have been almost exclusively playing. Um, the brand new, uh, if it was six years ago, uh, um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. On finally, finally got around to Breath of the Wild. Um, what? Am, am I wrong, or did you have it on Wii U? I did briefly have it on Wii U. Right, but, okay. Um, that would involve having to play my Wii U. Right, whereas you want to be able to play this on the commute. And get some of that sweet yeah. Breath of the Wild in your life. Yeah, and also... You, you want to be able to cradle a baby while holding a, a Joy-Con in each hand. Yes, that's a yeah. wonderful thing. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing to do. I recommend it to anyone who can. Um, <laughs> she's here on you. And then you're just like... Well, been perfect perfect timing. Because then if you want to treat yourself to the Tears of a Ball Bag, whatever it's called. Tears of a Ball Bag. Tears of a Ball Bag. Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom, that's it. Then you've timed it beautifully. Well, this is the thing with Switch. Because one of the other things I've also been playing is Pokemon Violet. Ah, and let me tell you, fucking Switch is struggling, son. Oh, it is struggling to run the games that Nintendo are making for it. Wait, I mean, I heard that I heard that the most recent Pokemon games had like had issues. They have issues, but is it to do with like the console not being able to keep up with what's on the cartridge? Yeah, or? what? Like it, it can't do the things they want it to do. Now the, the Switch can do some amazing things. Look at. Uh, the things like the ports of the Doom games, look at the things like the Warframe port, look at the things like the Witcher 3, but it has limits hmm. to the point where they've released some games on it as, as cloud editions, where they're basically streaming. Because um, it takes less strain on the console. Yeah, well, uh, it takes no strain on the console. Oh, yeah, uh, control. Um, control. Yeah. Sorry, that's what, that's what my Attack of the Clans uh, lightsaber said. Uh, it has Yoda in it. And when you play sure. with it, it goes like, "Who's the force?" It's really strange. I hate it. Strange. I still own it. It's down there somewhere. It's horrid. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, control. Uh, Kingdom uh, Hearts as well. Apparently, control's apparently really good as a clouded cloud game. Kingdom Hearts apparently dog shit as cloud. <laughs> so I've not tried either. So I couldn't tell you. But um, 
Which is so strange when you think about it. Again, Kingdom yeah. Hearts is several generations old at this point. I've done some... Even, even the PS4 remaster is just the PS3 1.5 yeah, remaster. Yeah, I thought it would be better to just... With a slightly different sound mix. Yeah, just port Kingdom Hearts over the Switch. I might, I might just be Kingdom Hearts 3, actually. In which case, it, yeah. Yeah, it's a PS4 title. It yeah, it would, it it would, would have an ish, yeah. Um, but like I say, they managed to get Doom and Doom Eternal running on that fucking thing. Mm. So, it can be done. It, it can, can be, be taught! Uh, but yeah, Pokemon <laughs> Violet is just... It feels like a game that was rushed out and just not optimised. Like, it, it, it chugs. Are they in the Ubisoft business at the minute? Um, game Freak? Are they trying to get one out a year? Um, yes, but it's not just one team. Oh. They're, they're overlapping teams. Oh, right. So, oh, which is why, like Ubisoft. Which yeah, is what yeah. you've always seen with... If you've, if you've followed the Pokemon games for long enough, you'll notice that... I haven't. They'll have things in one game that aren't in the next game, like quality of life changes, ideas, mechanics and stuff, but then show up in the game after that again. Oh. And so it kind of alternates iterations because they've got overlapping teams working on stuff. And they don't share each other's notes. Yeah. So like there, was, there was stuff that popped up in um, Heart Gold and Soul Silver that improved upon some of the stuff in, in, in uh, Pearl and Diamond. For the DS um, and how it used the hardware that then weren't carried forward into black and white. Oh. And didn't really uh, have any sort of resemblance until black and white 2. Should um, we just burn it all to the ground and just continue to make Pokemon Legends games? And stuff? Oh, Arceus is fucking great. It's really good. Wait, it's an RPG um, still, but it's... It's an RPG RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> like kind it's a little of. bit more. It's a little bit more third-person action RPG than. I mean, the battles are still turn-based, but yeah, everything's on the. And also, though, to be fair, that is something Scarlet and Violet does carry over. It, it it expands on the idea of it being an open world. Okay. That you get a little bit of in Sword and Shield with the wild area, and then you get even more of in Pokemon Legends because it's. Um, five regions that are connected by a hub town. So you can't travel from one region to the other, but you fast travel back to the hub town and go to another region. But the actual regions themselves are massive. Whereas um, Scarlet and Violet is a fully open world. Okay. That's what the Switch is struggling with. Ah. It's it's too big. It's too big. Too There's too big. much going on. They they did, a, they did a patch for it a couple of weeks ago. It was like, yeah, we're going to improve performance. How are we going to improve performance? Oh, it's going to spawn less Pokemon. That in your Pokemon game, less of the things that I'm meant to find everywhere yeah. and catch. Because it's a, it's a seamless thing now, where it, you see a Pokemon on the in the overworld, you throw the ball, it goes into the battle right there. It doesn't it doesn't transition to a separate screen. Right. Okay. Same as it is in our, in Pokemon Legends. Yeah. Uh, where Sword and Shield still transition to a separate screen, even though you the can music? see them. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, different sound, but yes. But, oh. Uh, it's it's set in oots, 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 it's set in the Pokemon oots, oots. world's version of Spain, so it has a traditional, it has um, appropriately Mediterranean music. Pokemon A, and you can make sandwiches for some reason. I don't know why. Um, it's not the only switch. Like game in Sword and Shield, sandwiches. you could camp out with your Pokemon and make curry. In this one, oh. you can camp out with your Pokemon and make sandwiches. Okay. In Cult of the Lamb, some of your villagers make sandwiches out of their own. Ah, now Keith's been playing Cult of the Lamb, and I. Do you want to play Call of the Lamb? Because it looks cool as hell. I'm horrified by it. It's great. I'm legit creeped out by I it. I need to play it. In a way where I'm I'm more creeped out by the fact less people... I'm more creeped out by the fact that there are not many people who are also creeped out by it. 
Like, I think it's cute as hell, and I'm happy, you know, happy to play dark and weird games and everything, but, like, my wife was sat there the other day, a couple weeks ago, playing it. She went, oh, like, what is it? There's a little animation of, like, the villagers, like, chatting yeah. along. She was like, it's cute, and it was like, what they're doing? She was like, oh, I'm, I'm brainwashing them. Yeah. And um, I was like, okay. It's creepy as hell. Okay. Oh, this one's old now. Oh, but they want us to be sacrificed. Yeah. What? But it's all very huh? pizza. I like, it. I like it a lot. Um, what's the what's the triangular looking fellow, the crocodile looking dude? Like, oh, there's a lot of side characters that that fit into that. I'm a big fucking crocodile. There's a there's a there's a mushroom hunter who just speaks entirely in. There's that spider who's just like, yeah, I've caught someone. I'm going to eat him. Oh, you want to take him? All right, I'll give him to you in exchange for some money. And you're just yeah. Like, this is a normal transaction in this normal, world. Normal, everything is normal in Call of the Lamb. Yeah, Call of the Lamb's great. I should play it. You're all weird. I've seen a lot of it. Uh, I've been playing, and you saw about this when you showed up for recording. Oh, uh, oh, And then I put it away, and I got the game out that I was playing. Ah! I've, I've been playing what I can only describe as blissful mundanity. Um, as in, it's kind of samey. The skill and everything comes from how you play the main matches and figure out the card play. If you're familiar with XCOM, this won't be unusual to you. Like Pokemon or Final Fantasy, it's the turn-based combat kind of thing. Mm. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns uh, by 2K Games Mm. uh, and Fire Axis. Uh, I'm having a ball with this. The story's great. The script is brilliant. The cutscenes are fantastic. Mm. Um, The depth of of stuff from the Marvel comics that is used Mm. Is so, it's so pleasing. Not since, let's say, X Men Legends Two, Ultimate Alliance Two, has a Marvel game gone. Nah, screw it. <laughs> Nico Minoru. Oh, oh, sorry. You want you, you want a Ghost Rider? Cool. How about Robbie Reyes? But we're gonna meet Johnny Blaze, and we're gonna deal with that shit. And you're gonna be like, oh, what's that gravy keeps visiting? Why does it say Roxy on? Huh? Like they just want, they just they're going further. They're having so much fun diving in. I've started playing the DLCs alongside the main story. There's a Deadpool campaign, a Venom campaign, and still to come a Morbius and a Storm one. Can't and I'm wait like, for the Morbius one. Oh come on, come on! Comic book Morbius in a game based around a comic book that he's regularly a part of. There will not be any Jared Leto. Involved in this. That's fine. That's not what I miss. Ja- Jared, oh God, I just remember Jared Leto's kombucha is a, is, a, is a plot point in Glass Onion. More so the Jeremy Renner, like, chilli sauce. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. But um, um, comic book Morbius, who's hung, hung out in the Midnight Suns, and they're doing Morbius on the DLCs. Listen. In a DLC where the main enemy is a vampire uprising that has been uh, triggered by the theft of an artefact, but from Sin. Sin is in this. Dr. Faustus is in this. It's not... It's not that I'm worried about Jared Leto being involved. It's more <laughs> He's that not I'm, involved. He's not involved. Exactly. He's not involved. Exactly. It, it's more that I know that Matt Smith won't be involved. Oh, have said. Have said. Without um, that, Morbius is nothing. Nothing, I tell you. What if they slip a It's Morbin Time reference into the script somewhere? I will throw myself off the nearest pavement. Uh, the character <laughs> roster's been a lot of fun. A lot of it's just... You can breeze through the story 
wrong description. You can get through the story in 36 yeah, you hours. You can get through the story. Yeah, you can get through the story in 36 hours, according to the guide I looked at, out of curiosity. You can get through a lot of things in 36 hours. I've been playing it for about 50. Um, I am still at the end of... At the start of Act 3 of the story. Uh, it's because I'm grinding. I'm spending time with the characters. I'm exploring the abbey and the grounds around it. Grinding. I'm finding My out phony. all of the hidden witchcraft stuff, the stuff about the Salem witch trials, the stuff about... Haram Shaw, I'm looking into um, Cassandra the Caretaker's history. Um, I'm digging up all of Wanda and Agatha's journals. I'm doing all these extra things, mm. which is making my card set more variable and powerful, mm. making my combat much more fun, mm. letting me know that I now have a po- I'm at a point where I know I can combo. Oh, I'll combo these three. Mm. Oh, I can't use those two right now. Well, I'll bring that one and that one in, and I know what attacks I can do and how I will absolutely smash this battle. Mm. Um, the reason I called it Blissful Mundanity is because it's if you do it that way, it's a lot of rinse and repeat. It's you start the next day in the game, you need to make sure you hit this, you go to the armory, you go to the forge, you do this, you do that. If you want to boost everything, you regularly go around picking up ingredients from the Abbey Grounds um, for stuff to use in Loki's Cauldron and things like that. Mm. Um, it's been really comforting. It, you know, Other people play Animal Crossing, you know, Disney Dreamlight Valley, The Sims. I'm playing Marvel's Midnight Suns. I'm digging it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's nice. Uh, do you know what else is nice? Change. Renewal. Um, appreciation for what you've got and knowing that finally it's going to get shown off and, and enjoyed and used correctly in a way where, you know, like like when you've got a, you've got a suit maker. You've got a suit maker in your kitchen. You've like, not used that in years. And then one day you pop to your supermarket, end of the night, and they've got that bundle. Like 50p, they're just chucking out loads of fruit and veg. Loads You're of like, fruit and oh, veg. Oh, we'll grab that. We'll grab that. And, mm. Hang on. Wait a minute. Got a bit of coriander in there. We could. You gonna make yourself oh a fruit God. and veg soup? You gonna you gonna make yourself a fucking banging like like um, potato and leek soup or an amazing carrot soup? There's no such thing as a banging potato and leek soup, Christopher. A bussing potato and leek soup. No. Potato and leek soup pussy. <laughs> Supremacy. No. Um. <laughs> basically, since we've last done a podcast, the DCU slate has been. Announced. We know what's coming out from DC. Uh, Ah, they've done this before. (laughs) True. But last time... It went really well from last time. But last time, they didn't have a face, uh, a set release date roadmap presentation outside of, like, boardroom versions, and somebody behind it who has a track record of going, oh, yeah, I wanted to make the thing, so we made the thing. It's like, okay... Um, James Gunn and, you know, by extension, Peter Safran, but he's, he's not the face of it. Uh, he seems to be the one taking the, the punches for the decisions people don't like, like uh, the removal of Cavill from the DCEU and uh, other stuff like that. But James Gunn came out with a thing on like January 31st and went, all right, everybody. So uh, here's what we're calling chapter one of the DCU. Um, just so you know, there's going to be stuff going on. DC TV stuff and, and films that aren't part of our ongoing story and they're going to be called Elseworlds. And it's like, oh, like the comics. Okay. Yeah, this is how you can differ I mean, from the competition kind, if you kind want. kind of what people have been doing anyway with like terming with DC, that stuff Elseworlds. Yeah. True, but yeah. in terms of like having a, hey, general public, here's the deal. If at the start of the film you see the Elseworlds logo, it's not part of that thing where it's all connected. Don't worry about it. If you see a thing with the DCU logo, they're connected. That's like, mean we might get Batgirl. 
No, unfortunately, because David Zaslav and tax reasons. Um, Brendan Fraser went on Howard Stern's show a couple of weeks ago and finally talked about it a bit more. And he just talked about like the amount of effort and time people put into it. And he 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 elevator pitched his version of Firefly to Howard Stern in two sentences, and immediately you're like, "I want to see this movie so bad. We're never going to see this movie. What the hell?" And he it's going to get and... It's going to get leaked at some point. God, I hope so. And then there'll be fan edits, like, completing the visual effects and things like that. From what I gather, it was pretty much finished. Oh, it was... That was it. Scoob was the one where it was just the music, wasn't it? Scoob Holiday Haunt, where the music hadn't been done, but the session was still booked for the final recording for the score. So all the musicians and the composer and everybody went, screw it, we're going. We're going to go and record it. Yeah. We've been told we're being paid for it anyway. We don't have to even go. We're going to be paid for it because it was part of our contract. But we're all going to do it. And then they did it, and then they delivered it to the, the producer. And was like, there you go. If you want to put like, put it to a cut of the film, go for it. Obviously, it's, it's never going to see the light of day, but the, we did the work. It's 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 never going to see the light of day. And if you wanted to put it to a, a cut of the film, and, and that cut of the film somehow ended up on some sort of, I don't know, uh, information exchange service where people can, um, I suppose, share... Uh, what's the word? Files, perhaps? Uh, then... You know, I think you could do that. Are you the guy who leaked X-Men Origins back in 2009? <laughs> no, that should have been fucking buried. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was like, right, uh, Joker, Matt Reeves, the Batman stuff, Teen Titans got the fact he explicitly said that. I was like, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying like, that. Make a point of going, everything we make going forward, we acknowledge it and we approve of it and we appreciate it and we celebrate it. Doesn't matter if you are all like hardcore. No, it's got to all be connected. Like Teen Titans Go is never going to be in one of these like films that we're doing, but we approve of it, and it's Elseworld. So there you go. And it's like Teen Titans Go to the movies is one of my favorite superhero films from the last decade. Teen Titans Go is right. Teen Titans Go is fine. I get why people. Teen were Titans upset Go about it. to the movies is freaking brilliant. I get why people were upset about it because they wanted more Teen Titans, and then they got it. But and then they and got it sucked. It. But eh. <laughs> Hey! It was a crossover movie with Teen Titans Go, so it couldn't be taken completely seriously, and the original Teen Titans were basically the villains. They did do another series of Teen Titans, didn't they? New... <laughs> There's stuff. There's Young Justice, ones. that's what they did. Young Justice is great. Nothing to do with yeah. Teen Titans, but it's 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 spiritually it's sort yeah. of a successor. Young uh, Justice I'm is really getting, That's why I'm getting mixed up. Uh, so, amongst the stuff that's coming out, mm. we've got uh, Creature Commandos, who's one of the first ones. That's going to be an anim- animated TV series. Deep pull, but all right. Animated TV series. He's also said that... It's, it's always going to oh, be yeah. fucking deep pulls. He said that they're going to cast um, actors who will be playing the characters across the mediums. So, oh, that's whoever is voicing the Creature Commandos we'll play them would play them in live action. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's interesting. Same with the video games. He says that there's a couple of video games in the works right now that's tied into projects that they're doing. That have yet to be announced, but the, where characters that are shared across the mediums will be played by the same actors, um, and it'll be the same versions of the characters. Cool. Which is again, this is something that DC's distinguished competition hasn't done. No, they have not. So it's like that's quite cool. And the TV shows are going to be again connected from the get go in this sense. Uh, obviously, like previously, they kind of have been a little bit. Um, the Arrowverse stuff, the CW shows set up the idea of the multiverse and yeah. crisis, and that in turn hinted that there are different realities, and briefly you see like Swamp Thing from the Amazon show, mm. and uh, you see Knox from Batman 89 briefly, <laughs> and you see Burt Ward walking a dog called Ace, and, and, and it's like, is that Robin? Is that the 66 Batman universe? 
oh my god, he grew old and is alive and happy and has a dog. It's like, this is cute. Um, but like, and, and at the end of that crossover, Ezra Miller's Flash very briefly appears as everything's going back to normal. This is the best appearance of, of Ezra Miller. In front of Grant Gustin's Flash, and you have that moment of, oh, oh my god, so I guess all of these all of these matter, but they don't all have to tie in, yeah. but they're all their own thing. Cute. Great way to do it. Um, going forward, that's going to be that's going to be the mission. Uh, Waller is getting a series. This is not necessarily replacing Peacemaker series two, but I think it will. Yeah. Uh, they've confirmed that some characters from Peacemaker will be crossing over into this series. Hopefully, Adebayo, because obviously, I want to explore the mum daughter relationship yeah. set up in Peacemaker more. And hopefully, Peacemaker. <clears throat> hopefully, Peacemaker. Um, and most likely, um, Harcourt. Harcourt. Because of course, Harcourt and Waller both <laughs> rocked up in Black Adam. And it's like, wait, what? And now they're in charge of a super prison under the sea. And it was like, what is happening? Uh, sorry, that's going to get re- that's going to get fixed in uh, in the flash. Oh god. Um, we've also got uh, we have got another Batman iteration on the way, Brave and the Bold, featuring Damian Wayne's Robin. That and is it's specifically a film about the Bat family, um, which is like about about damn time. Thank you. It's been a long time since we've had a Robin on film. I mean, it'd be nice to kind of watch the relationships grow and the characters grow. It'll be a little weird to suddenly go, it's a Batman movie. And he's had five sidekicks and here they all are. It'd be like, okay, oh, oh God, we've skipped quite a lot. It can work though. It, it can could, work. It could work, but it's almost like, oh, I kind of like, I'd love to see the, I think... I'd love to see the journey of, of Dick from Robin to Nightwing or like the start of Tim's time as Robin and learning about what it was like for Dick being Robert. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, I think uh, it does yeah. open up the avenue for that stuff later on. Yeah, if they want to do um, that. And I hope hope I hope that it'll be an older Batman to sort of make the Damien thing not feel too weird for audiences. Be, yeah. yeah. And but I, I and not, not like an old grizzled. I mean as in, no, let's cast somebody who's like forty but looks a little older, so we'll kind of age into the same face over the course Pedro of the Pedro Pascal Batman, you hit it here first. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't fucking hate it either. <laughs> I wouldn't hate that. Batman's good, but he could be better. better. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't hate that at all. Actually. This film's Continue his adoptive daddy thing. But it should be better. Uh, there you go, it's got to be Dick Grayson then, because he could be, a, once again, a daddy who adopts a yeah, kid. And, yeah, there we go. But no, I I, <laughs> I like the idea... Batman's one of those characters where I like the idea of them, you don't have to do any fucking origin shit for him. Yeah. Although the Batman was quite good. But um, even then, that wasn't like, here's the origin. Yeah, it was, it we was know like, you know it, but because you know it, we're going to introduce some ideas around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Batman 89. Batman 89. There's literally just one bit where Vicky Vale reads upon Bruce Wayne, catches him putting flowers down an alleyway, and that's it. There you go. We do they get a flashback, though? We do, but that's because they tie it into the whole Jack Napier thing, don't they? Um, Which I still don't hate. No. I don't don't think it should be every iteration, but for that film and that story, works fine. Um, But uh, I think... Zero. Coming into an older Batman... Mm. Oh. We are on kick. Is... Jesus is um, everyone knows who Batman is you know what I mean everyone knows what Batman's fucking deal is so I think you can jump straight into it without having to do all the fucking legwork again legwork again yeah. yeah is there a Spider-Man toy just leapt off of the shelf I think it was angered by all of us talk, all of our talk about Batman and getting repeated origin movies 
Um, <laughs> uh, we're getting a Superman movie. Um, Superman Legacy. Legacy. We are getting a Supergirl movie based on Tom King's recent mini miniseries. Cool. Uh, we're getting a Swamp Thing film. Cool. Uh, we're getting Booster Gold stuff. We're getting um, the Authority, which is like that's an interesting pick. That's an interesting one, but I, because I... it's a it's a takeoff of the Justice League. Yeah, my my only issue with the Authority is we've kind of done this culturally now. We're in a we're in a post Kickass world. Um, we're the, a post what, the boys world. We're in a post the boys world specifically. Yeah. Like we've done Evil Justice League in multimedia, like. On that note, have you actually tried reading The Boys? I've got the first volume. I read it. I went, I appreciate this for what it is, but this is enough for me. I found it borderline fucking unreadable. Now, I've been told by people who read it and who watched the show that the show's worth it simply because the show takes the idea from the book and goes... How do we do this in a way that's actually palatable? Yeah, the show's totally better. Mm. The only reason I've not watched it I'm not up to date on it, is because there comes a point when you can only see people exploding into chunky salsa so many ways. Okay. And and you just have to go, leave this one for a bit. You've got to spread it out. Yeah. Like a salsa. Like a salsa. Yeah. Like a chunky salsa. Um, it's salsa. Yeah, that, it, it, the show's fucking great. It's just, yeah, I... It's like it's like it's like a lot of the Miller World stuff. It's like I can see the appeal and some of no, them, no, 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 some no. of them. It's are... not like a lot of the Miller World stuff because it's good. All right. Okay, let me rephrase that. It's it's like a lot of stuff that Mark Miller has written. Occasionally, there's something where you go, "Oh my god, that works really well," and then other times you go, "This is just moody and snarky for moody and snarky." I'll say sake. this. I'll say this for Mark Miller's work. It ages like fucking milk. I reread the Ultimates not that long Yeah, ago. that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Hulk kill Freddy Prince Jr. fucking awful. Mm-hmm. This far on. It may have been groundbreaking at the time, but, you know, there were a lot of things that were groundbreaking some, at the time. Some stuff Asbestos he... was groundbreaking for the time, you know what I mean? Some stuff, he, gives some stuff he's cancer. done, I would say, is untouchable. Like, uh, Marvel 1985 oh, is great. It's a Spielberg It's a Spielberg movie using yeah. Marvel comics as the... As the the sci-fi quirk in it. I haven't read it, so I don't um, I, I <laughs> highly recommend it, honestly. Highly recommend Like, cool. kid who loves comic books, like, one day is in the forest and finds... I can't remember it is, the first one. I'm never going to read it's it. Like, it it's, I can't remember it is he finds... But basically, just finds one of the villains. It's like, what the hell's going on? And it's this whole thing of, like... It's your typical kind of Spielbergian thing. Like, something's come out. They're coming into the, our universe. Like, these villains have led this thing. And it's broken a wall. And it's about this kid... Like monster squad styly, like trying to sort of get everything together and keep things together in this small town. Is his dad around? I think his dad is around. Then it's not Spielbergy. But he's absent. He's an absentee father. Mm. He's around, but he doesn't pay attention. He's he's a he's a uh, ninety yeah, right. he's a nineties dad who learns through mythical contri- magical contrivance to spend it. more time with his damn wiener kids. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Which is weird because in all of those instances, liar, liar, the Santa Claus, Doctor Doolittle, they are spending time with their damn wiener kids. They're just also working to pay to keep the damn wiener kids fed. <laughs> like they're never that bad a dad in any of those films. But the moral of it is. Be a better father. You know what? You know what? Bad dad is in Spielberg movies. Oh, Ricky Dreyfus in the Ricky Ricky Richard Dreyfus in the Ricky Dreyfus. Ricky Dreyfus. Oh, in in Close Encounters, he's a bad dad. Yeah, he has a fucking mental breakdown. His family leave him. Hey, 
himself in a space in the end. Spoilers for Close Guards of the Third Kind. Oh well. Misuses all the mashed potatoes. Right? Au revoir. It's expensive. Could have made a soup with that. Could have made a soup um, with mashed potatoes. So- no, you couldn't. It's fucking mashed potato. Leek and potato soup. Leek and potato soup is a myth. What you're talking about is vegetable mush. Anyway, the authority might be good. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. But yeah, I'm just... I, I'm just, I'm just cannot wait. Cannot <laughs> wait to see what all the dude bros think of Midnight or Apollo. Can't wait to see that. What else is coming out from that? What if... What if world? Superman and Batman were a couple? That's what I can't wait to see. I mean, I can't wait to see that for different reasons. I just want to see people's reaction to that. This thing that pre- presents itself, I was like, yeah, this is dead cool and edgy. And then, oh, by the way, two leaders of this team were basically Superman and Batman, but, you know, with the serial numbers filed off. Oh, yeah, they're, they're a couple. They, they fucking. What do you think now, bro? Yeah? You well, like those that? people... And I'm not cool lumping them all together, but those people certainly are probably going to be happy with the rest of this year where a lot of uh. the universe they're happier with continues to live on very briefly. Um, <laughs> albeit distancing itself from what's come before, but also blurring the lines as to whether or not it'll connect to what's about to start happening. They haven't got much choice, have they? They've had to just... There are four DCEU movies still to come. Only one of them has me feeling happy, warm and fuzzy. Yeah. And we've seen nothing of it aside from like a teaser poster and some on-set pics of the costume. Bring me Blue Beetle. I want it. I want it. Oh, so you're not feeling it with Shazam Fury of the Gods? I was. A little bit. And then the second trailer came out and pretty much showed us the entire film. Mm. I'll be surprised if there's much more to the movie than what we see in the trailer. Mm. Um, And then someone came out as an anti-vaxxer. And I was like, right, I should be able to put this past me. Like, I saw Black Panther Wakanda forever and I didn't let Letitia Wright's thing distract me. It did sour the taste of following Shuri as a character a little bit. I mean, let's be honest, Nakia's a more interesting character. But, yes. You know. But also, um, and so primed to actually be the Black Panther yeah, in the that's, MCU. That's, that's, that's I know Shuri's Black Panther that's in the not, comics. Let's not even go there. I know Shuri's Black Panther in there. the comics, but Nakia is so set up. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, I agree. But it's a whole um, different kettle of fucks, right? <laughs> but like, with that one, it's a case of how do we know that Letitia Wright is like viciously anti-vax? Oh, because her anti-vax like um, beliefs and reluctance to actually take COVID me- precaution measures delayed the filming of this at one point for several weeks. And it's like, it affected production for Christ's sake. In this instance, the film's been made. Everyone who was in the last one has come back to make it. They've all worked on it. Love the first Shazam. Absolutely adore it. Been quite a fan of Zachary Levi over the years as a performer. I've always enjoyed him whenever I've seen him in stuff. It's always made made me, you know, like, made me smile. He's always been very entertaining. I watched all of Chuck. I'm one of those weirdos who enjoyed that. And hasn't revisited that since Adam Baldwin came out as such a massive cunt. And I'm like, oh, I've been a bit reluctant to go back and rewatch Chuck. I'll get around to it one day. And now that one day is just coming further and further back. Because about three weeks ago, as of this recording, Zachary Levi just randomly retweeted some Oh, the Pfizer vaccine's fucking weird. Nothing we should all be worried about having taken it. Stuff on Twitter. And it's like, oh. Now, some leapt to his defense and went, now, maybe he's talking about Pfizer, the company. Obviously, if you're against Big Pharma, there's some issues to be had there. No, read, read what he shared and then the couple of replies he gave. He's talking about COVID vaccines. 
And then the clip started to show up of him on Joe Rogan's podcast not too long ago, talking about how he thinks Jordan Peterson has some very good points. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? If you start getting Joe Rogan involved, and you know it's all fucking downhill from there. But that's the thing. All the Snyder bro, not Snyder fans, if you enjoy Snyder's movies, great. Snyder bros, you know who we're talking about. And if you still feel offended, yes, it's you. The Snyder bros, who all hated Shazam because it wasn't Zack's baby, and it wasn't what they wanted because Zack didn't have a hand in it. Yeah. Turns out the lead of Shazam is really fucking like fitting in your wheelhouse. If you guys want to go and support Fury of the Gods, go go at it. Go at it. Go ham. Mm. You know what I mean? It seems like he's one of you, one of you, one of you. Not all Snyder fans are anti-vax. That's not what I'm saying. But again, if you're personally upset by the remark, there might be a reason. Um, and that's really put me off watching it. That's a shame. That and the fact that... so Black, I hadn't heard about that. Black Adam and Shazam Fury, the gods, have no connection. The wizard Shazam's in them both. Okay. Is there any plan to tie them into each other? Well, no, because Black Adam's not going to see. Not anymore. No. What was the point? What was the point? Rock wants to do Black Adam. Like that's literally the only point. You got to do it, and people watched it and went out. That's about as that's the that's the almost the textbook definition of mediocre. The hierarchy, the DC universe, is about to change. No, it's not. I'm not going to be here anymore. Neither's Cavill. <laughs> Everybody's going to walk out. Uh, Peter Safran went on to talk about the fact in a separate interview that Ben Affleck is in talks with them to perhaps direct a film. And it's like, okay, does this mean he gets to do what he always wanted and direct a Batman movie? Yeah. He just doesn't have to be in it anymore. Yeah. A thing which he clearly hates now. Well, he's still, um, we've still got to see his last Batman performance. Haven't we? True, because another one of the films coming out this year is The Flash, which... <sighs> God damn it. The Flash and The Flash. I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes. Mm. It speaks volumes to the egotism of Ezra Miller to have to be in a in a buddy movie and let's not forget they worked on the script for this version yeah oh they've been involved in it every step of the way but particularly at this point they are so hands on that they will have been the one to go can I just play opposite myself we want to, yeah we want to do an ensemble movie but we're going to have two of those characters those ensemble characters be them two what's better than one flash two flashes no no, it's not. Now, two Ezra Millers is not better than one. Two Ezra Millers is worse than one. It is. It's one squared. It is literally the the worstness, the badness, the badness. English, the badness of Ezra Miller, multiplied by the badness of Ezra Miller. You are. It's Ezra Miller's all the way down. You cut off one Ezra Miller, two more take its place. Um, yeah, this trailer is really, it, it makes me feel all kinds of a way. And they're holding Michael Keaton hostage in it. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> this, this trailer, this trailer tickles my lizard brain so much. Like, my favourite Batman movie is still Batman, 1989. One of my favourite movies is Batman, 1989. Who, who who's over there? Who's an expensive hot toys statue over there? Both of them. Both both Michael Caton and the Jacker. Yak Nicholson. It's it's I can't help it. You do that Danny Elfman score. You show me that like 
You sculpted in stone, not being able to, to move your head like Batman cowl. It will do things to me. You give me that Batmobile silhouette, I will yeah. feel the old now. Yeah. Seeing him in the trailer was this mix of, oh my god, isn't it kind of cool we're getting to see my Batman one more time in a film? That's kind of cool. Mixed with, CGI looks a bit ropey. Also, he's never glid that smoothly. He's never glided that smoothly. I don't think he's even glid before. He's... <laughs> I think he did a little bit. He did a little bit of glidding, but he did. He had his own uh, bespoke hand glider. Do you think before he picks up the non-powered Barry, he's like, "How much do you weigh?" <laughs> As he gets his grapple yeah. look out, we have that conversation again. No, it all does it automatically now. Oh, okay, fair enough. He's got the computer technology um, in his cowl. I can't help be, but it, I can't help but be excited about it. About him being in it, I can't help but be excited about Michael Keaton. That's just gonna happen. I cannot help but be excited. By the Supergirl. Supergirl stuff looks really good. And that's coming out of Flashpoint. The whole Superman was in yeah, Flashpoint. He's underground yeah, yeah. in a bunker and like deprived of sunlight. So this they've gone, well, everything's a bit different. So Zod still arrives from Man of Steel, which means Michael Shannon gets a chance to ham it up and play out again. Play out in all the wonderful toys and costumes. Yeah, I like Michael Shannon hamming stuff up. Like I'm, I'm always there for that. I'm excited to see him in a film as this character that's not Man of Steel. Because mm. like Man of Steel was many things. Most of them, huh, for me... So to see him under someone else's script and another director, a director who likes villains, hmm. like Andy Muschietti delivered two It movies and both of them featured a deliciously horrid performance Delicious. from um, Bill Skarsgård. Um, so like Michael Shannon under him. Yes, please. Hmm. Uh, the rumored real villain of this film under him. Yes, please. Um, Who is the rumour real villain of this film? This is all rumour. No spoilers, but potential spoilers. Everything's a potential spoiler. Reverse Flash, isn't it? Reverse Flash, and that Reverse Flash is the one from the dimension, the timeline they end up in. It's it's, uh, all, it's, it's, all, it's all a long game. See, now that would be more interesting. Yeah. The rumour is he's faking. Because that... There's the one shot in the trailer where he is also zooming around. That Barry's also zooming around with the blue lightning. Yeah. And there's marketing stuff's come out and in the film you see bits of it, that he makes a costume to protect himself out of a bat suit. He, like, files the ears down, sprays it red, puts yellow stripes on it. Um, but, like, who's the main villain of Flashpoint, the book that every iteration of this movie's taken Reverse inspiration from? Flash. Professor Zoom, Reverse Flash. Yeah. Eobart Thorne, or whichever bleeding incarnation it was at that yeah, point. Yeah, one of those. So, that's the, that's the rumour. I mean, he, when he zooms around, he's all blue lightning in that one shot when you see him zooming around in the trailer. Mm. Barry in like a trying to stop his parents dying moment. You see like his mum and his dad being shot with blue lightning that then hits Barry. So it's like, okay, maybe those rumours were true. It's be interesting to see. Because um, Zod is not a Flash villain. Flash, with like probably the third most famous rogues gallery in all of comic books, to not have a Flash villain in the Flash movie feels a bit weird. Well, they really want to get their money's worth of that world engine design. Oh, God, yeah. Just bring up the assets from the old hard drives. Bring up the old world engine. World, world engine them. That world engine's appeared in more movies than DCEU's Joker. Um, it's so weird. Good. And also, yeah, because we've had Flash villains in other stuff. Cap um, Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang. Um, yeah, so... Captain Boomerang. <laughs> Hey, Captain Boomerang. And, um, is Javelin a Flash villain? Boomer. What? Is Javelin a Flash villain? I can't remember for the life of me. But, um, 
yeah, we, 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 I, there's stuff in the trailer that has me like, oh, I do want to see that. Mm. But I can't help but also be like, do I really want to give Warner Brothers executives the message that, yes, you should hire Ezra Miller for more things. Yeah. When clearly Ezra Miller needs time to go I away think that and think on what they've sort itself out, let's be honest. You think around the time of the film they're going to do something like stupid and it'll be enough of a, yeah, that's just, that's it, that's it. I honestly think they're not going to work again. Wow. Regardless of how well the Flash does. We need to talk about Ezra. Yeah, honestly. Um, we also have Blue Beetle. But in your career. Yeah. We have Blue Beetle, but no news really on that, aside from the teaser poster and, and the fact that it's coming out this year. Hey, no news is blue news. And then Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, a film that is now nearly two years late. Yeah. This original release, um, a film that we've seen this, nothing for. No, a couple of, a outside of still. yeah, and and last the last DC fandom a little behind the scenes featurette where I interviewed a couple of the actors and you saw him on set, mm. and we saw that he's in just an all black version of his costume. And it's like great, that's exciting. Let's take the color out of but everything. You literally pulled off the orange and green at the end of the last film. We all went, all right, fair enough. No, and now you like, make it all black now. It's like, oh, okay. What's the point? What was the point? Um, <laughs> but obviously you've got, you've got controversy around this one in the form of, uh, you know, Amber Heard still being the co-lead and, and her having like, you know, <laughs> let's face it, a, a not sellable reputation. Mm. Um, you have, uh, the fact that they've done reshoots that have been acknowledged publicly, where Michael Keaton shot scenes for it as Batman, meaning Ooh. it was in the re- re- universe reset, that have been reshot with Ben Affleck. So Affleck appearing in The Flash is not necessarily his last appearance. It may be his last appearance as Batman, not Bruce Wayne, but... Uh... Yeah, all right, all right. So, yeah, weird that there's just no thingy. But also, apparently, it was screened last week. Test audience. Mm. And the re- response was, this is garbage. <laughs> Which, if true, is surprising because the first Aquaman did really well. I really like the first I Aquaman. I enjoyed it. I've never had an inclination to revisit it. I have revisited it and I really enjoyed it. Oh, Tamira Morrison, in his ongoing saga to play a dad to a superpowered or notable person who's by or around the ocean. Can you name all three of his superpowered kids who were born or grew up near the ocean? Aquaman? Yeah. Aquaman? No. Uh, Aquaman? Aquaman. Boba Fett. Because Camino, the base, the place they lived was in the ocean. Oh, so, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And Moana. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Sorry, headphone like how, like how Pedro Pascal is trying to be the most daddy... Single dad to adopted child and everything. Tamir oh. Morrison has been daddy to ocean-based like pop culture icons or superpowered people. Um, so yes, I am hopeful for the future of the DC projects. So am I. Uh, I want something cool from them. I, I'd like I want it to be cool. But cool stuff. I'm not remotely hopeful for Suicide Squad kill the Justice League especially after last week's PlayStation State of Play where it was the featured game and it was like, yeah, so, uh, it's, look at this, isn't it great? Yeah, yeah, don't ignore the fact that all four of our distinct characters basically seem to be jump and shoot things with a gun uh, and no distinct characteristics really other than that. Just King Shark, jump and shoot things with a gun. King Shark, jump and shoot things with a gun. Harley Quinn, 
web swing from a bat hook drone thing and shoot things with a gun. Um, Deadshot with a jetpack shooting things from a gun. Fine, that yeah, makes sense for him. It's just, it's Deadshot. Um, and Captain Boomerang has technology that gives him flash powers and shoots things with, with a, a gun. gun. Captain Boomerang. A boomerang shoots not things feature with as a, gun. a weapon once in the 15-minute showcase. Not once. I... Not once did it show up. I just can't find myself... I just can't bring myself to be interested. I can't bring, bring myself to be interested in a Suicide Squad thing with an Evil Justice League. I can't do it! Oh, not all of them are evil. Wonder Woman's fine. The one cool point in the presentation that made me go, there's the Rocksteady Studios like, oh, you've got me, that I was expecting. Mm. There's a bit where Wonder Woman steps in. Flash is going to kill the Suicide Squad and Lex Luthor. Wonder Woman steps in. She knocks him down. She gets him the lasso of truth. And he's all like, you know, corrupted, brainiac, digitised eyes and everything. And he's laughing. She's like, Barry, how do we stop this? Tell me how we stop this. And he starts to calm down. The lasso's glowing. And he starts to sort of calm down a bit. And in his own voice, with his own eyes, he just looks at her and he goes, you have to kill us, Diana. It's the only way to stop us. You have to kill us. And it's like, that's a good hook. Because then it's that drama stakes of, oh, Oh, God, like, at least as far as Flash knows, that's the only way you can stop this, is yeah. if you kill them. Kill him and, and her friends. But! It's still Evil Justice League, which is so played out by this point. And also, hmm, once the game's out, that's not the end of it. We're going to have a dedicated team on it for the next couple of years as we add brand new stuff, completely cosmetic items in our battle pass. It's like, oh, oh, new I... characters, right? Are they just going to be like Copperhead, but they sh- they jump up things and have a gun? Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Solomon Gundy, God. Solomon Gundy, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Solomon Gundy, packing heat on a Monday. Um. God. Oh, but it'd be Arkham Solomon Grundy, so he'd be like ten foot tall and dripping everywhere. That'd be fun. I'd play that. Bloodsport. Uh, I mean, hang on. Bloodsport just jumps around and has guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Perfect yeah. fit. Polka Dot Man. He'll jump around and shoot things with a gun. gun. <laughs> um, God. Peacemaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, jump around, shoot things with a gun. You briefly see Penguin in the footage, and it's it's the Oswald Cobblepot from the Arkham games, but he's like. 90% jowl now? It's really weird. Uh, it He's lo- all jowl all the time. It looks like taking itself a little too seriously Sunset Overdrive. Instead okay. of, you know, Sunset Overdrive, which was, hey, this is really fucking fun. Let's just do this. Hmm. Hey, do you guys want to make a superhero game next? You're going to make the best ever Spider-Man video game. Go right ahead. Um... Yeah, and, and also just the fact that apparently you have to be always online to play this, even single player. Yeah, fuck off. Which means they're going right. to be pumping things at you to advertise to you. Fuck off. Um, I think I'll just go back and replay Arkham Asylum again, thanks. Yeah, it's the way to do it. It's the way to do it. Lastly, why don't you and I have a problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania? Because it's loads of fun. Yeah, it's not incredible. It's That's not good, groundbreaking. I don't think it's the great greatest way to start phase five with a bang necessarily. But is it all of a thunder? Sorry. Is it 
Iron Man 2, which is not terrible, but, you know, is it is it one of the lesser ones? Is it the Eternals, which split people down the middle? Not me, I fucking loved it, but... Mm. No, it's... No. No, there's more fun to be had. Is it flawed? God, yes. And we, we're going to um, do a little challenge before we finish, seeing how we could maybe fix things we had an issue with in it. But ultimately, I didn't mind Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I actively enjoyed it. In a way that, like, I'm baffled at the response to it. Yeah. Again, opinions are opinions, and I mean, we're in the minority. I say it seems. I'm baffled by the response, response to it. I'm not that baffled by the response to it because what has been the the thing since Endgame, since before Endgame, only mm. too many Marvel movies. Ain't too many Marvel movies. They make too many Marvel movies, and they're all the same. This Marvel movie's not like any of the other Marvel movies, but they're all the same, and there's too many of them. Right, you guys realise that if they released a Bond movie once a year, you'd be saying the exact same thing. Yeah, that's all right. You guys realise that... I mean, if they released a Bond movie three times a year, they'd definitely be saying... Yeah. You, know, you know, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, no, get it. I get it. I get it. And, and the impact it's had on cinema as a whole in terms of how other studios have reacted to the success of it, yeah, that's kind of crap. That's not the fault of them. But you know, That's the fault of like people just also, trying to copy-paste their formula and their style. It's also the fact that, you know, there are, it is saturated, so I get it. Yeah. But I, you I, also don't have to watch everything. You don't have to watch everything. Yeah. Uh, but it is taking a big influence on a lot of other pop culture. So I get the people's frustrations there. Yeah. But I just want to make sure people are actually giving stuff a fair shot and not just dismissing it out of hand because it's a superhero thing. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. Go touch grass. Enjoy I, yourself. I, I enjoyed it. Watch something you enjoy. Watch something you enjoy. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And if you didn't enjoy it, sorry. Yeah, I had a good time. Who was that? Sorry. Sorry. That was that was Norman. Sorry, um, sorry Gary Buswelly. That was Norman. Um no 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 it's it's nagging Norman. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm one of the most quantum mania is a is a as far as I'm concerned, a solid five out of ten experience. It's a two and a half star. Will you have fun for a couple of hours at the cinema? God yes. yes. Will there be some treats if you've followed everything? Yes. God, yes. Will there be some dumb shit that makes you go, that's dumb? Maybe God, laugh, yes. Though. God, yes. Is it perfect? God, no. no. Does it have holes? Seven. Um, <laughs> that was my favourite performance in the whole movie. Not not, not David Desmalchin as, as Veb, I think it's called, asking that question. And, and then... And then um, Oh, what's the actor called? From a good place. Uh, he's great. He was tapped for Reed Richards for the longest three, time. He's got three names. Yes. He's got three names. He's got a three name name. Each more delicious than the last. Yes. Um, but he plays a character in this called Quez. Because everyone was like, Quasar? It's like, no. Um, and it's not what Quasar can do. What's his name? Which is also a shame because it's like, this guy's a really good actor and he was being rumoured for Reed Richards for the longest time. Which I, I would have I guess you loved. could still do that if you wanted. Yeah, but, um, it'd be a bit distracting. But... Uh, it was Paul Rudd's non-verbal response to the confirmation of Seven Holes. Like, just best performance in the whole film. Uh, very, very, very loose spoilers for the events of Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania going forward. Uh, but if you don't William want any Jackson spoilers... Harper. William Jackson Harper. Uh, W.J. Harps. If you don't want to know anything about the film, pause here, come back to the episode later. But... Um, yeah, the best scene in the whole thing for me, in terms of like, oh, that was actually genuinely good, was between Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan Majors, when Michelle Pfeiffer in the flashback 
realizes who it is she's been helping the whole time. That is very good. It's played brilliantly because you can see Jonathan Major's genuine reluctance of, I've actually just had a quiet period of time with a stranger who through kindness has helped me and now I'm having to like actually acknowledge who I am, the horrible things I've done, explain them to her and I might have to kill her because she's going to stop me now. Do you know what I mean? You can see that mix of, fuck's sake, Janet, it didn't have to be this way, like, in his performance. And it's not like he was ever going to go, ha ha, actually, I'm off to do this. He was literally just going to help her get home, and then he was going to go off and leave. And I believe him when he says, I was, I was going to leave your timeline alone, because of you. Like, because of you showing me kindness and helping me, I was going to leave your timeline I don't. on its own. I believed him with that. Because, again, it's like... Why Why would he target that one, like... Do you know what I mean? Or he'd probably wait until long after her family and everybody were gone before he'd do something with that timeline. Well, why does he target anyone? Anything? Well, we don't really find that out. Exactly. And that's kind of... That's one of the things the film cocks up on a little. Uh, is... Is it's... The grand scheme, the grand um, size of, of what Kang is capable of is described in this movie we all see but we it. never really see what he's capable of or what have you and I think we will I, I don't think, think this, is, we this is well the introduction maybe not this Kang not not this Kang or this or this Kang but like or this Kang. a bit later like he's gonna get pulled out of something and be found to be alive yeah. but we'll see but um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of for a film that is very very heavy on the visual effects and the vistas and and the creature designs. There's a lot of yeah. tell don't show in this. Yeah, which is a bit like, oh, I mean, you could just show us that. I think it depends who they're asking you to tell it you though, because if they're asking yeah. Jonathan Majors to tell it to you, then yeah, go ahead. God, he can he could narrate. He could. I would happily mm. stage my own funeral just mm. to hear him read the eulogy, even if it was like, well, I mean, you have to die for this to happen. That's fine. Just let me hear the eulogy and then you can kill me. <laughs> like, let him deliver it, please. You googly. <laughs> you googly. Is that the name of the thing that Smelchin voiced in this film? Did you know David Smelchin was on set to play that character? I can believe that, yeah. Because he was like, I just kind of want to get more of a sense of him. Can I just come down to filming? And Peyton Reed was like, sure. And then he was like, here, put this mocap thing on. Are you going to mocap me? No, but like, we're going to have you in for reference for him. And so we're going to use... Like, sometimes with the voice performances, they film the actor and use some of their physicality yeah, to totally. inform the, the animation. And it's like, all right. Um, let's talk about the stuff that we really liked. And then we're going to this week's Big Damn Challenge! Yes! Uh, I really, really like the fact that they had a film focusing once again on the daddy-daughter relationship. Yep. I think it was a bit of a shame that it was like, a, you're never there, dad. Because it's like, are you kidding me? He's like the most attentive dad in the MCU. I mean, he was in prison for a while. He was, but it wasn't his own decision and they stayed in touch and he was always a part of her life and she always she was never re- never resentful of him being away in the earlier films. However... She was a child. However, she has not been with him for five years since and it was because of what she would consider an Avengers thing. Yeah, an Avengers that's thing. That's true did this to the world and took him away from her for five years, even though it wasn't. It was them experimenting on the quantum realm. But still, but still. So it's like, no wonder she's got a bit of inbuilt resentment of the superhero life, yet she secretly kind of wants in on it. Yeah, because it's cool. I like her I like her version of the suit. 
Yeah, it's cool. I like that it's basically kind of just a purple version of his, but her converse are part of it. I love it. it. Yeah, uh, it just keeps him on. It's, it's just a cute little reference. Uh, and the fact that the helmet is just, it's like, kind of like his Ant-Man uh, 1, Ant-Man 2 kind of yeah. sort of helmet. A Civil War sort of helmet, really. Yeah, the big tall boy behind you there is that kind of helmet. Big tall boy, yeah. Which is a nice little reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love Kang's costume. Yeah. Like, holy shit, they just took it from the comics. It's just, it's just Kang, it? How do we make it look real and not too weird? Well, we just stick with it and we change the materials slightly. And there he is. Uh, I like the fact that we got the blue face because it's just part of his helmet. Yeah. So we get blue face Kang. Great. Blue face Kang. Um, I really, really, really like Michael Douglas in this because Hank is now at the point in his life where he's got back everything he ever missed. He has no reason to be a grumpy recluse anymore. So he is. Because he's, com- he's got his company. <laughs> yeah. His wife is back in his life. They rescued her from the quantum realm. And he's got a loving family. He's bonding with his, like, you know... like Step-granddaughter. Sort of step-granddaughter. Yeah. And it's like, he, there's no reason for Hank to be abrasive anymore. So he isn't. He's just a, he's just a naturally a curmudgeon. Yep. And is loving life. And it's like, all right, okay. Which plays into the fact that Michael Douglas is probably... These things are really tiring to make. And it's like, well, then we'll just let you have some fun with it instead. Yeah. It works. You watch the three Ant-Man movies in a row. Absolutely, this is where Hank's at in his life. Yeah. Makes sense. And he just loves ants. And and Linda helped him get there. <laughs> she wasn't you. You know, you know. They, it, is, they, it, is, they, it is weird how that's almost directly lifted from... Um, God, there's somewhere else where that exact conversation happens. Or it's like, she just wasn't you. What was it? I don't know. But I can tell you. I can tell you this. Oh, that's gonna bug me. They did. They did. They did have a scripted flashback thing with Linda. Did they? Yeah. What? what huh? What was that gonna be? About? And they had someone in mind for her. Re- whomst? Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, okay, that'd be quite funny. <laughs> no, that would be brilliant. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ah. Uh, There's a bit where he talks about marrying and he met other people. So uh, none of them were ever you. And it's like, oh, yes, they just lifted that from Crystal Skull. That's weird. Yeah. Um, well, they couldn't. They would have lifted it from the Romance in the Stone sequels, but oh wait, uh, they only did one. Um, <laughs> Pfeiffer, when she gets to actually explain her emotions and stuff in this film, is pretty good. Um, there's some the cast all around. He's, he's, he's great. The cast around's good, but I do feel I do feel like the movie shirks them a little. But we'll get into that. What what stuff did you love? Love love. Uh, Modoc. Thank you. I loved Modoc. Thank Modoc. you. I loved, oh loved, God. loved like... Modoc, and I loved Corey Stoll's big stupid face. Look at that sitting there on the desk. For those Look listening along at, at home, that. we've just brought Corey Stoll into the it room. Gets it's it's just that it's that it's that. I am one of the like five people on the planet oh, who really like Modoc. I want to play with this Modoc. Oh uh... yeah, Modoc. <laughs> I I know legs. that Modoc. You can do Modoc one of two ways if you adapt him. You can either take it super seriously. This is for those who don't know, a giant swollen head with little arms and legs in a roboticized chair that usually leads an army of AIM scientists and soldiers. Super serial. Yeah, super serial. You guys. Um, you can either take him super seriously and go the body horror route and and hope that your audience buys into it. Yeah. But if they don't, it is a big it is a big fall. But it that's the work. coward's way out. Or 
you embrace how fucking ridiculous it is. And this film did. What? Well, yeah, this film did with every opportunity to embrace the ridiculous. The stop motion. The stop motion sitcom did wholeheartedly. The stop motion sitcom did it. Um, uh, other adaptations have lent into the ridiculousness of him. Even the comics in recent years, like the original Modoc, George Tarleton is no longer Modoc. George Tarleton's out there somewhere now, living a normal life. A clone brain of his has been turned into a new Modoc. That's the one who's been in the books for the last few years with the bald head mm. and the spider legs. Mm. It's called Modoc, uh, Modoc Supreme mm. or Superior Modoc. Um, and even he's like been evolved into a handsome humanoid called Brodoc. And there's been like, <laughs> loads of weird shit. Let us not forget Next Wave and the Elvis Modoc. Oh my god, yes, the Elvis Modoc. <laughs> Elvis um, like they've been, they've been weird ass versions of Modoc, and every version of Modoc is weird. There's a meme doing the rounds of people who don't like what they did with him in this film. Of people going, the Avengers video game's terrible, but it gave you at least a good roadmap of how to do MODOK. Did it? And the, the MODOK in the game's pretty great, actually. Like They play it for body horror okay. and, and intimidation. And it's George Charlton. He's hit by the Terrigen bomb. He's there at like ground zero when it goes off. So he's technically an inhuman. Okay. And his cranium is evolving. And his head's getting bigger. And he's having to like build the Monica Rappuccini's having to build more stuff to sort of support him physically okay. as the game goes on and by the end his body is human sized he's got this huge head he's in like a giant floating chair guns lasers spider legs all this stuff and it, it's full on body horror it's creepy and, and, and scary they do a great job with it this is an Ant-Man movie the first two were comedies they ain't gonna do that um, I mean they kinda do there's some body horror, but it's not like Cronenberg. We're not. We're not Cronenberg. We're, it's, we're more it's kind of body horror. Yeah, we're more kind of like late nineties teen comedy body horror, <laughs> like zip popping body horror. Like that's kind of where we are with this. Uh, yeah. And I don't mind that. Do I think they could have made his face just a little crustier? Yeah, sure. Go well, I'm for glad it. they didn't. But at the same time, yeah, it's just ridiculous and weird and fun to see Corey Stoll's face stretched out sideways. Did it look like the fucking bad guy from Sharkboy and Lava Girl? Yes. Do I hate that? No. Did Corey Stoll have a great time? Yes. yes. <laughs> I would love to see how he filmed this. I would love to see how he I would love it. to see how he did it. I um, will tell you that... He, he, did CGI artists have to render his little bum? He must yes, have they been did. involved at some point during shooting because he fought to keep the little bum. <laughs> Because he realised how fun it was. He insisted on the little bum. He realised how fun it was. Because Corey Stoll's a bit of a nerd, so he, he was like, yeah, I want... I You're going to show Modoc's little bum bum? I, I want to be Modoc. I want to do Modoc. I want to see Modoc's little bum bum. I'm trying to open up my Modoc. Why are you trying to open up your Modoc? Because if I open up my Modoc, I can show you the goodies inside. Oh, I, I heard something rattling around in there. I was like, oh, it's an Easter egg. See his face. Oh, off. his face comes off. Um, Yeah, so... <laughs> his face. Let's not show me without his face. Yeah, wait a minute. Show me more oh, of his face. Um, so here's my challenge here's while I open him up. Your here's challenge, my big to damn open challenge to you. What's my challenge? This is for both of us. Yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. I've been thinking about this all week. All right. Okay. Okay. How would you tweak Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania to take it from a film we thought was, yeah, it's all right. Yep. To a, all right, do you know what? That's actually, yeah. Okay. Mm. How do we take it from a five out of ten to an 8 out of 10. Well, what we do is... Let's tell you what we do. Uh, well, while you describe it, I'll remove his face and show you in the oh, viewers what's Oh, his face! For those listening along at home, I'm peeling my own face off. That's 
the sound of Modoc's face. This is um, the sound of my face. You know what? You know what? I. <laughs> well, let's start with what do, what do you think the film could have done better? And why is that answer give the wasp something to do? <sighs> I don't care about Evangeline Lily though. Ah, but what about Hope Van Dyne? Hope Van Dyne should have had more to do. I don't particularly care about Hope Van Dyne either, for that matter. Um, and maybe that's a function of the films, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what what would this film have done better? Honestly, I didn't have that much of a problem with any of the stuff in this film. So what am I fixing? Shall I give you my pitch? Shall I give you my pitch? Yeah. See what you think. And you can tell me if you... you... Oh, I will say, I wanted the Freedom Fighter characters to be a bit more defined. Outside of Jantora. The Freedom Fighter characters... If I wanted to see anyone given more to do, it would have been... um, There's going to be massive spoilers from this point, by the way. And Laserhead. Who's, I didn't even remember his name. I call him Laserface. Laserface. It's metaphorical. Um, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Again, major spoilers going forward for this. If you watch the three Ant-Man films back to back, or if you're a fan of the, the three Ant-Man movies, mm. there's one glaring omission from this, which the Freedom Fighters kind of replaced in a eh, way. Yeah, is it The supporting though? cast is it though? of the Ant-Man movies. Do I, do I care about Luis? Not really. No, but I think part of that is knowing Michael Peña is a bit of a weird dude. No, it's because for me that is. But no, but, but. what part? The whole of it, not even part of it. The whole of it is: Do I want weird quantum realm microverse? But we can't count the microverse because Hasbro have that trademark. Adventures, <laughs> or do I want another Luis tells a story? I want weird quantum microverse adventures. That's True, what I want. But didn't every character that went to the quantum realm handle it rather well? There was nothing about someone being like, the hell is all this? And that's exactly why they didn't put him in the script. But that's where the fun lies, I think. Is it? So here's my here's my is slightly it? fan fiction-y uh, pitch. They don't handle going into the quantum realm, realm well at all. No, no, no. But you're talk- these are characters that have dealt with, like several of them have been here already. Three of them have been here already. One of them's been there properly. Yeah. One, one of them got stuck in there for visit. five hours. And one of them went down there to find the other one and yeah. save them. Um, here's here's my slight pitch. So the basic premise of the movie is that Cassie and Hope and Hank have been experimenting on creating a quantum realm, essentially a satellite, a drone, something that will ping signals out to the quantum realm and give them data when it pings back. Yeah. What we then learn, because obviously Janet is like, no, don't do that, because she knows that there's someone down there who should never be allowed to get out. Uh, what happens is it pings back and it turns out that technology developed, supplied by Kang, developed by Darren, um, leads to them them being dragged through their own device into the quantum realm via the signal. Why? Because he presumably has said to Kang, there are people out there who know how to deal with this stuff. They can help us escape. It's never explicitly said in the film, but that's the implication, considering it's Hank Pym. You know what I mean? It's like, let's bring down the Pims. They know what they're doing. It's true. They don't know necessarily that they're bringing Janet back down. Do you know what no, I mean? She's no. kind of a consequence of it. But here's what you do. You have the signal do the pingy ping thing. Yeah. Three characters get dragged down into the quantum realm. Which are? This is what we can decide together. Because I'm still trying to figure out the perfect combo. Oh, God. This is what I'm, trying, I'm still trying to figure out the perfect combo. And something else comes out of the quantum realm. 
whatever Kang has requires, who needs fixing, the time chair or whatever, requires like a specific element, component, or what have you, okay. that doesn't exist, but can be made. Because Darren Cross knows that the Pym company has the technology to do it. What comes out of the quantum realm is Modok, a fleet of Kang's like drone guys, but just for the sake of it, give them yellow glowing visors because aim visual. Why not? Yeah, sure, sure. So whoever's stuck out outside, and I think it should probably be should probably be Hank, Cassie, and add Luis into the mix. They have to deal with this thing that's arrived and has come out and is terrorizing San Francisco and is going to you know Pim and screwing up the place. I think you need to keep never Okay. Oh no, okay, no, actually here you go, here you go then. Alright, okay. You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? <laughs> Cassie, Luis, Hope. Nope. Because Hope and Darren have the history, so you at least kind of have the superhero meets their supervillain kind of thing. Nope. Okay. But you see where I'm going with this? You have just you have a yeah, split. You have a split it. plot. You have I a split think... plot where some get brought down, realize what they're dealing with, but know they need him to get home. Or at least wait for their chance. I like the split plot idea. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, you've got the weirdness of this mother trucker in the real world being dealt with by the team that are like just having to get by without the main. Like so the reason why I think it should be Hope and and Scott in the quantum realm is because then you don't have any superheroes up top to try and resolve this, which is where Cassie has to step up. Now. I'll do you one better. <laughs> I'll do you one better. Because then that way you get to have your can cake and your Modoc cake. Darren has more of an effect on his legacy within the Ant-Man series. I'll, I'll do you one better. And also, he doesn't have to die. Because <laughs> yes. we could do something with him this again later. Um, um, and also, you're not necessarily sticking Luis in the quantum realm. But it's that thing of like his his outlook on what the is happening would be at least you know sort of the comedy would remain. Also, I think one thing as much as I love Modok and how he looked, genuinely did. One flaw of it is he was in a realm full of weird looking shit. He was not the weirdest looking thing in there. Stick him in San Francisco. He wouldn't be the weirdest looking thing in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> but you get me though, don't you? Like, just the 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 juxtaposition of him in the real world would be more weird. Yes, no, See, I, seeing I him like... floating around in those prison corridors, it, he didn't look weird because it was like, yeah, but they're behind blue glowing light, and a bloke's about to show up with a blue face. I like. Um... <laughs> hmm. Because I think, I think Janet has to have hinted as to what's down there. Yeah. Um, because then it feels like it. She still feels like she's a part of why this has happened. Do you know what I mean? It's like this is all my fault. I should never have helped him. And it becomes about like, no, you didn't do. You at the end of the day, were the good person. You did the right thing. And when you realize that this could have got out of hand, you took steps to stop it. Like, you are not the bad guy here, because it never felt to me like Janet and Kang had. 
an, an arch rivalry, even in the cinematic one, it just kind of felt like he was getting her back to go, you've been an arsehole. Mm. Anyway, I've fixed it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it felt, it's like, if you're that mad at her, why are you getting her back to gloat? Just have her killed. Especially when, like, you're the dude who travels through... Dim- You've apparently travelled for centuries through dimensions and timelines. She would be insignificant. I can't imagine the amount of times where he's had incidents where stuff's gone wrong. And he's had to, like, fix it. And he's had to stop his conquests for a time. Or is this literally the only time that's happened? Like, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Also, how has he managed to do all of his conquests? I thought he was banished. He was banished because he did all of his conquests. Right, so it was a reaction to him doing all of his conquests and murdery stuff. Yeah. Cool. Then why are the council a threat? Why are the council of Kangs a threat? If he's like a renegade. Like, this one, there's a few unclear things where it's like, well, if you just separate them as their own little plots, you can just, we can spend some time learning, God, this guy's dangerous. God, he's got bad intentions for our our universe when he comes back. I don't think it's that his genocides and, and... And atrocities in conquering was not what they did. Mm-hmm. I just think he was doing it to his own tune and not theirs. I think that's the problem. Okay. I think that's why he was banished. That seems to be the implication, I think. Um, Whereas, like, if you then send Scott... Um, if you send Scott, Hope, and Janet down to the Quantum Realm, for example, you have Janet's personal stake in it all. You have Scott having a little bit more of a handle of it. And we at least get to see the quantum realm through the eyes of Hope, who is like, what the hell is this place? Which gives an Evangeline Lily something to do. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bonding experience for her and her mum, because she gets to directly see the sort of stuff her mum had to deal with and live amongst and put up with. I think the Which bond- the film does quite well in some sections. Like, the stuff... Having Janet, Hank and Hope together for a lot of the film yeah. worked really well. Because it was like, oh, we finally get to see this family together. I think what I would do with it Following that idea of the split plot, mm-hmm. I'd separate Scott and Hope though, because I would I would want the father daughter relationship between Cassie and Scott to mirror the one between Hope and Hank. Mm-hmm. So Cassie, Scott, and Janet be in the quantum realm. Okay, and Cassie sort of learning from both Scott, learning from both Scott and Janet about how to deal with superheroing which um, does allow hope then out in the real world to be and hope, the superhero who deals with the, the supervillain and, and hope and hank yeah both having history with darren oh my god and you know what you can do as well hank has to suit up or at least do it a bit janet can have an option to tech up then it means that this film has literally two team-ups of ant-man and the wasp two ant-man you have two an ant-man wasps. and the wasp ant-man and the wasp in the two different places God damn it, that's actually really... In terms of the lineups, that's really You've good. got two father and daughter relationships, why wouldn't you mirror them? Yeah. I don't give a fuck about Luis. I don't care if he turns That's fine, up. I mean... <laughs> like, like, if you had stuff set in San Francisco, I'd, I'd include them. Yeah, yeah. if you're you know out there, me. you may as or, well. Or even if it's just a, oh god, like we need to lock that place down, how the hell are we going to get into it? We need someone who's got a proper knowledge of like the security system. Oh, for God's sake. Mm. And you have Hank have to make the phone call. Because yeah. obviously him and Hank didn't get on. No, no, they don't get on. So you could at least kind of play into that and, yeah. and the comedy come from that. So it's not necessarily that Luis is an ever-present member of the ensemble, but like bring in that team and yeah, use them to be effective. And just for the fucks of it, cast those three actors in CGI roles in the quantum realm. Yeah. 
Totally. Like we already have with Dismulchin, because then totally. you've got that nice little thing of them just kind of both being or, in both plots. Not even CGI roles. Just have Quantum Realm versions of them. <laughs> but they're like completely different characters, but they look like them. So Luis like, doesn't tell some kind of like anecdote story. Oh God, no, I don't want no, that. No, no. The Quantum Realm version of him. No, I don't want that again. Tells one which doesn't work for us as an audience they because it's just it. weird shit that we don't understand. They did it and then they did it again. We don't need to do it again. It's a trilogy. Um, Stop beating your dead horse in my face. Uh, one other thing uh, I think this could have improved this film massively would have been having a co-writer. Yeah, fair. I think having one writer whose primary experience is writing Rick and Morty showed a lot. There was some stuff in here that it felt like a PG Rick and Morty. Very Rick and Morty. Sometimes that was good. In the a, whole the yeah, holes I joke. A... I have holes! That you know what? Fair enough. I have holes. Um How many holes do you have? Modoc worked for me. But um replace Modoc's voice with the voice of Rick Sanchez replace little Veb Gooey Boy's voice with the voice of Morty and some of these gags feel like they've just come straight... Or, or the voice of, like, every other character that he who shall not be named voiced that just went like, no, we ooh-wee! Can, we can call go. him. We can... We <laughs> call a cunt a cunt. We can... You know, Justin Roiland's third I voice, cannot, which is Morty, but with some weird... Ooh, I sounds. cannot wait... <laughs> for Rick and Morty season... For the next seven, season of Rick yeah. and Morty without Justin Roiland yeah. doing all those voices. I cannot wait to see what voices we get. Because... I hope, they go, was... the, I hope they go the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Fuck it. Because Why not? It, because when you watch an episode of that show, sometimes it's just Justin Roiland talking to himself for 20 minutes. Oh my God. I you, hate that. Could you imagine if we get separate voice actors for those two characters so that they can record together and we get some actual, natural, bounce-back chemistry? It'd be better if they can record sober. That too. And, you know... Not message underage girls and attempt ah, to set them up with his other animated friends and uh, physically abuse his partner. Can we just not? We just yeah. I think we. I think can we, we just in not London? Please. Yeah, I think we uh, we have uh, we have as a society progressed past the point where we have any need for Justin Roiland. Do we um, need Justin Roiland that can be installed at all? No. Uh, no. no Get we don't. in the fucking sea. Get in the sea. Uh... What did you think about Man of the Wasp Quantumania? Do you think that it was far below the quality standard you are expecting? Was it exactly what you thought it would be? Did you enjoy it like we did? Did you hate it like most of everyone else apparently did? Did you suffer like G did? About three people will get that, but it'll be very okay, funny. That's... <laughs> it'll right. be very funny. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. For those listening along, my face is showing an expression of complete and utter understanding. Mm. Um... Let us know uh, and get in touch with us all the usual ways. BigDamnContact at gmail.com should you wish to send us a big missive. You can tweet us at BigDamnCast on the old Twitter or you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash BigDamnCast. That way you can support the show, get onto the Discord server and get sent exclusive tidbits and videos. Our Marvel commentaries will be resuming in the near future, which have been very, very busy, busy boys. But we've got a phase to finish. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got to keep going. The more Patreon support we get, the further along we have to get, and then you can hear Matt's actual thoughts about Luis when we get to Ant-Man. So, keep shelling out. Can't wait. Keep on trucking. And I'll leave you with this man's wise words. I have to say, in all my long years, I never thought I'd be so glad to see someone get holes.
Yeah, that does it.